The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 183rd ever show and post-Super Bowl edition of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is obviously the what, enjoying what feels like the best week ever here in New England in the aftermath of the Patriots winning their fourth Super Bowl to secure their dynasty once and for all. The way the game ended, going from literally the depths of despair after the Jermaine curse catch to instant euphoria has simply uh, ignited the region as uh, New Englanders have defied the snowiest week ever in the history of Boston uh, they've defied the snow the way they've defied all of America with Deflategate. Uh, I watched the Super Bowl in a local sports restaurant, and half the crowd, it seemed, was wearing shirts, T-shirts that said, Deflate This. So that tells you about all you need to know about the uh, New England attitude, and it was certainly vindicated on the field and since. Uh, the victory was literally the perfect antidote. To this horrific week, headlined by Monday, the day after the game, when everybody was snowed in and just basically watched TV all day and Super Bowl highlights and what have you and just soaked it all in. It was, it was perfect timing, shall we say, if you're going to get stuck with a snowstorm. And then uh, as the week has gone on, the whole region has just been, again, euphoric, just partying, led by uh, Gronk who is literally the Pied Piper of party in New England these days. Uh, and if you saw him on Jimmy Kimmel the other night, <laughs> you know what I mean. And of course, in the parade where he, uh, he was priceless. There's just no other way to say it. As anyone who's listened to this show before, you know for a couple of years now, I've been comparing the Patriots with the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, 
And just saying uh, Popovich was like Belichick. Duncan was like Brady. Both teams won a lot of titles early on, then went about a decade without winning. During that decade without winning, they both suffered excruciatingly uh, horrific losses. Of course, the Spurs to the Miami Heat just a couple years ago, and the Patriots uh, really in both Super Bowl losses to the Giants. Um, with David Tyree and Mario Manningham catches. And again, it looked like history was going to repeat itself uh, with the Javon Curse catch. But uh, that didn't happen. The Patriots, to their everlasting credit, and Malcolm Butler in particular, uh, just did not allow it to happen. Uh, So... The whole do-your-job thing has been like a 10-year quest, and it really is like the good old days. I was at Super Bowl thirty-six, their first Super Bowl victory when they beat the Rams down in New Orleans in the aftermath of 9-11, and it just felt like nothing could ever, ever be as good as that. And there's always something special about the first, but boy, this comes close. I got to tell you, um, Brady, he's in my mind clearly the best ever. Charles Haley may disagree, <laughs> if you're familiar with his comments. Uh, and he was elected to the Hall of Fame this week. But Bass Brady, when comp- uh, asked to compare him in Montana. But I think the best thing about Brady, uh, what separates him for me once and for all, is the leader that he has become. Uh, the way he started that final drive with, you know, time to go on a championship drive now and in the, as the week has gone on, all the players on offense in that huddle have talked about how much that meant, uh, similar to Montana, uh, when he led that last-second drive over the Bengals. But Brady's fourth-quarter drives, I mean, he had two of them, not just one, two. So he's had a fourth-quarter drive to win a Super Bowl four times in each of the four victories. Uh, Belichick, um, again, you know, his legend is cemented as well. Not calling the timeout was immense. After the curse catch and the Lynch run to the one-yard line, clock's ticking down. Everybody's thinking, myself included, that of course he's going to call a timeout and probably let him score like he did in 2011 out in Indianapolis against the Giants. So for him not to do that was just stunning. And obviously, it all worked out. Um, the aftermath, the NFL films video on inside the NFL and the sound bites that the NFL network is running, the audio, absolutely priceless, priceless. Um, they've gone next level with this one. So, uh, it is really, really some special stuff and gives you an insight into the game. Unlike anything I can remember in recent memory, um, some of the great quotes, And that leads right into my bizarre story of the week, which is obviously Pete Carroll, who I've always been a big fan of. I've interviewed him. He lived in the town I lived in when he coached the Patriots. But there's no getting around it. In my mind, it was the worst call in sports history uh, for him to call that pass with Marshawn Lynch on the sideline uh, or in the backfield. Uh, You know, might as well have been on the sideline, right? Um, It's just bizarre. That is the only word to use um 
It will be debated to the end of time. It really will be. Um, you know, it's the classic, what was he thinking? And that just goes back to my earlier point, you know, where I was watching the game with hundreds of people. Everybody was just, you know, basically heads down on the table after the curse catch. It was over. This game was completely, totally over. Everybody was feeling deja vu with the, especially David Tyree, but to a degree, the Manningham catch as well. And just thinking, how can this continue? And then to have uh, Malcolm Butler, and trust me, nobody knew his knew who he was, and I mean nobody. Uh, everybody was asking who's twenty one. Then when they finally showed on TV who there was Butler, nobody was getting the name right. Everybody was thinking Darius Butler, cornerback the Colts or Patriots drafted a couple of years ago, now plays for the Colts. So no one, and I mean no one knew who he was, and if anybody knew who he was, nobody even nobody dared know his first name of Malcolm. And uh, so that just added to it. And uh, in where I watched the game, then two minutes after the victory, they put on this famous Queen song, We Are the Champions. And I mean, the entire place was just singing it. Hundreds of people. It was euphoria. Uh, truly uh, at a level that I have rarely seen, and it was just a great touch, and uh, it just touched off a celebration that, again, if you saw the parade, is just still continuing on. It just goes on unabated. And uh, so, you know, the Malcolm Butler's play has quickly garnered the name of Immaculate Interception, which uh, I'm loving because I began my career covering the Pittsburgh Steelers steel curtain. And that was of course the immaculate reception. And now here I am, uh, having covered the Patriots and the immaculate interception. So on a career level, I've had the good fortune to cover what in my mind are easily the two best dynasties of all time. Uh, what separates the Patriots victory is the 10-year gap between Super Bowls, obviously the longest ever. And uh, so we shall see. Um, we shall see how it all pans out. A lot of people are already getting greedy and thinking five Super Bowls, that uh, that will end any and all discussion. Uh, Brady would be first quarterback to win five, Belichick first coach to win five, and uh, that would settle things once and for all. So they are, they're one of the youngest teams ever to win the Super Bowl, second youngest ever, I believe. And best of all, uh, next year, the Thursday after Labor Day, the opening game of the NFL season, the Patriots will be raising the banner. Again, this is just like the good old days uh, in Gillette Stadium on a Thursday night. I will definitely be there. And uh, so already something to look forward to and many other things. I think it's going to be a fascinating year next year. In the meantime, I don't know when New England will stop celebrating this year. Now, uh, for my low light of the week, moving off of football, because there is certainly no low light associated with this past Super Bowl, Tiger Woods re-injuring his back. I mean, that really, really uh, hurts Tiger more than us, but we as golf fans, boy, for the first time, really, uh, that I can remember as I've watched his health issues unfold here over the past six, seven years, really. Uh, 
you know, I'm starting to wonder. I, once and for all, I'm starting to think: Have we really, really seen uh, the best of Tiger? Is it over? You know, is there any chance of him winning another major? The way he's playing is just beyond baffling. And then to have him again walk off the course again yesterday was really, in my mind, a low light. Uh, think what you will about Tiger, but golf is better when he's playing. I'm tuning in uh, when he's playing versus perhaps not tuning in as often when he's not. It's just that simple. So that was my former co-host, Lemont Williams, from Outside the Huddle, likes to say. It's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, Bama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam had the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 1- 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. 
And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., thanks for calling in. I know you watched the Super Bowl, and I'm dying to get your thoughts on it. Oh, John, yeah, glad to be here, John. Sure, sure, that was a fantastic Super Bowl. <clears throat> I mean, to have, a, to have a last second where the game is not even decided and then to have that miraculous play, uh, you referred to it in your previous segment as the immaculate interception now, I guess. So, I mean, that memory will seared into everyone's mind, even some non-football fans. They, they've got a taste of it through the week with all the different talk shows and the newspapers and the television shows uh, focusing on that one play. And the, and I don't know, John, if I've ever seen, if I've ever thought that one play was, was so mishandled in a football game. I agree. I, I, you know, no one's a bigger fan of Pete Carroll than me. And to say it couldn't happen to a nicer guy is an understatement, but, I'm calling it the worst call in sports history. There's just no other way to say it, especially when you factor in Marshawn Lynch in the back in the backfield. I mean, it's just it was so stunning, and that's what makes this, I think, so special. That that game was over. It was lo- a loss and identical to the previous two Super Bowl losses. And trust me, I was in a restaurant with hundreds of people, and half of them. You know, had their head down like it was over, crying in their beer, as it were. <laughs> it, it was a done deal. That game was lost. John, I'm sure there was a crowd at the door that was fixing the leaves. Exactly. Yes, a couple people did walk out the door. No question. Um, and, and I think that's just what makes it so special. I mean, how rare is it in sports? to go from a loss to a win, obviously, with the, a loss to a championship win, you know, in the span of a split second. It just is very, very rare. I mean, you have to go back to, I mean, Bobby Thompson home run type stuff. You know, it's once a decade, if that. And once a generation, maybe that's a better way of saying it. But the, the, John, this was that. Yeah, John, I'm just trying to go through my memory bank and think of maybe maybe the Georgetown, North Carolina basketball game when after Michael Jordan hit the shot, they came down and he threw the pass to the uh, North Carolina player, James Worthy. He thought he was a Georgetown player. I mean, they had a chance to maybe tie it or win it. I just can't think of something so dramatic when a team had an opportunity at the end and uh, it, it turned out the other way. Uh, and when you have somebody in your backfield called the Beast, and you're not going to give him the football another time to get into the end zone. I, I don't understand it. And and one other thing I was I was thinking about as that play was materializing, Pete Carroll in when he was head coach at USC, and there was a fourth down play against Texas, and he knew that his team had to uh, try it four down fourth down because they weren't able to stop Vince Young uh, in his comeback. He took out Reggie White. Uh, who could have been used as a decoy. And, and that's, that's another moment in a crucial point in the game where somebody on his staff made a decision and it was just a miscalculation and turned, it turned out to be a disaster and he lost another championship. Right, Reggie Bush, I remember that. Uh, you know, and that's I've heard that referred to a couple times, you know. And, you know, I mean, 
again, I, I just feel bad for Pete. I've said on this show many times what a big fan I am. Speaking of USC, I interviewed him when he was the coach at USC, wrote an article for the Boston Globe, and I've seen him a couple times since. He's the, he is the nicest guy ever, and to have this happen to him um, is really just so stunning. But, you know, you do make a good analogy on, you know, that epic game against Texas in the national championship back in uh, a few years, a few years ago. And, uh, yeah, it's just, again, so I still can't get over it. Nobody can. That's why people keep talking about it. Cause you know, five days later, it's still just, uh, a head shaker seeing him on the today show. And of course, in the immediate aftermath and all that, uh, you know, I'm glad, number one, I'm glad he's talking about it. He's, he's certainly being a stand up guy about it. And I give him all the credit in the world. For that, but uh, again, uh, just have never seen anything like it. You know uh, that I can that I can remember. You know when you consider probably the worst call in sports history in front of the largest television audience in United States history. I mean that's the that's the factor here. That's what separates it from all others. Let's make no mistake about it. I'm sure there's been calls as bad, maybe worse, but none have occurred in front of the largest audience, (laughs) you know, largest TV audience in American history. That's for sure. That's what separates it. But anyway, yeah. I'm sorry, you were going to say? No, I was going to say that of all the times to happen in your career, it's in front of the largest audience in the U.S. TV history to have seen that play. So, I mean, even if someone doesn't know about football in the future, I mean, they're going to know, oh, yeah, you, you, you were the coach of the, the team that was on the one-yard line that threw the interception or something happened that you lost a game. Yeah, I hate to say this, but, you know, I, I did say it within half an hour after the game that, you know, that this will define him, unfortunately. This will, you know, period. This will always be there. But, you know, flipping it out on the other side, I mean, you know, what Brady did in the fourth quarter, you know, when they got the ball with about 10 minutes to go to begin that, what I'll call the next to last drive, you, you know, because the third quarter from a Patriots point of view was thoroughly, uh, you know, depressing. I mean, Seattle had all the momentum. It felt pretty well over. It felt like one play away, be it a first down or whatever, maybe a Patriot turn or whatever, felt like one play away from Seattle winning that game as the third quarter ended and the fourth quarter began, Patriots get the ball, and I just said, you know, he must go on a touch. He, he, they have to score a touchdown right here, not a field goal. Had to be a touchdown in my mind. And for him to do that twice, you know, and plus the defense getting three and outs is, you know, that elevates Brady, in my mind, to the best ever. I, I, I just, you know, that's now four fourth-quarter game-winning drives in the Super Bowl. That's in four Super Bowl victories. That, that is unbelievable. Yeah, John, if you're, if you're just looking at production and results, I mean, he's right there with any quarterback who ever played the game. I mean, you can't deny his success, and especially during crucial moments. Uh, he might not have the best arm, be afraid as foot of some other uh, candidates you would consider as a top quarterback, but he, he's right there for the most important thing, which is winning. Yep. Well, I've always said his number one attribute, and I've said this for years, is his intelligence, number one. And now what I put as his number one attribute above intelligence, or certainly equal to, 
his leadership, to watch him grow into the leader he has become, which in my mind, you know, reached its pinnacle. You know, he put them on his back on Sunday night. I mean, you know, I talked about the fabulous NFL Films footage, video and audio coming out of here, but, you know, his pregame speech, his starting off that final drive, saying, you know, time for a championship drive here. I mean, watch him on the sidelines. I mean, all of it. He, he has really grown into, you know, one of the great leaders in recent memory in all of sports in my mind. And, you know, this is from someone who's watched him from, you know, a kid, uh, as it were. So I, I just think that's one of the more fulfilling and interesting parts of this whole thing, just to watch him grow into what he's become and Sarah and Sunday night, it all paid off for sure. John, it's one of those qualities when you're evaluating talent at that position, can this person lead in adverse situations? I mean, hopefully you're always going to be ahead in the football game, but everyone experiences being, uh, you know, having to come back from a deficit and how will you respond? And he's able to rally his, his teammates. They follow him, uh, you know, very loyal. He, he's built up, built up that over the years. And you just can't deny that quality that he has and he brings to a football team. I mean, uh, you know, Belichick, they're, they're like two peas in a pod. They're, they're just alike and they, they love to compete and as long as there's time on the clock, they're still thinking and trying to find ways to win a game. Absolutely. And I remember, you know, thinking back five, six years ago, um, maybe even around to the time of his knee injury, just wondering, like, you know, because he learned from some great leaders, Brewski, Rodney Harrison, and the like back in the day. And I, and I just found myself wondering, uh, you know, was it in him? I had every reason to believe it was, but, you know, for him to just become, you know, truly this leader. And it's really shown itself the last couple of years, uh, especially, but, you know, Sunday night, again, it just, you know, was, uh, would be like a general winning, you know, the biggest battle, you know, Patton winning, you know, the battle of the bulge, like saving his best for the ultimate moment. Uh, where in my mind it was as much about leadership as completing passes or what was happening on the field. He, you know, he, he somewhat willed them to victory, as I like to say. I think that was equal, equally important uh, as to as as important as his utterly precision passing. I mean, what he did was amazing. I forget the stats. I think it was, what was he thirteen or fifteen on the final two drives or something like that. He was flawless. Yeah, he was impeccable. That that I think was like you said, those last fifteen passes, you know, missed on a couple, I believe. So when the money was in the center of the table, he, he came up with his best performance. Exactly, exactly, and that to me, if you're asking me what defines the best ever, that's my answer right there. You said it perfectly. Uh, the big, you know, his best performance at the biggest moment of his career. And what he himself called, and he doesn't do—he doesn't say stuff like this. He called it, you know, the biggest game of his life. So you know, I, I think it's great. AP, I know you know the aftermath here in New England. I don't know when I've seen euphoria quite like this. It's just unabated. Gronk is the Pied Piper of partying in New England, and trust me, this has been a one-week party. 
we're all sitting here. I'm looking out my window at the, you know, the aftermath of the worst week of weather in New England history, beating the most snow ever in a one-week period. And it all, you know, a lot of it came on Monday, the day after the Super Bowl, so everybody was off to just basically revel in it. And then the parade and Gronk, you know, and Letterman. And, not Letterman. Uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. And by the way, Belichick's going to be on Letterman this coming Wednesday night. Um, or, no, Tuesday the 11th, I believe. Uh, it's definitely on the 11th. Uh, you know, it's just been so much fun. I, I mean, I, you know, it... it Again, just the only thing even close to this is the first one after New Orleans. But this is different. This is like, you know, there's like almost like a pent-up, you know, demand for it. Uh, whereas New Orleans had that surprise element. It was one of the biggest upsets in NFL history. But again, AP, you know, you, you've obviously lived here in New England. So I've never seen the region quite like this. I really haven't. Yeah, I can imagine all those people with all that, the bad weather and uh, you having to contend with all that snow and and then your team wins. So, yeah, the pent-up uh, frustration with that situation with all that loose as soon as the Patriots won. So, you know, it was great for them. Yeah, again, perfect antidote to what everybody's been dealing with. And, and you know, we're not just talking a lot of snow here. We're talking, you know, the, the subway system in Boston has basically broken down this week. Um, traffic, epic traffic. I, I mean, the system is somewhat par. The, the city is somewhat paralyzed. So this has just been the perfect antidote to that. This reveling in this victory, and had they lost, which it looked like they were gonna, um, you add that to the weather, and I, I think you'd be looking at you know the reverse, meaning one of the most depressing weeks in New England history. So uh, it's all good, and it has really just been you know. Something special to behold. But I know for you, that wasn't the only big news this week because National Signing Day for high school football recruits was the other day. You were all over it, as always. So why don't we take our break now, AP, and we're looking forward to uh, getting your perspective uh, when we come back on the other side. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Lockdown coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., uh, it's been a great week for football, starting, of course, with the Super Bowl. But Wednesday was another huge day, and one you're particularly familiar with, which was, of course, National Signing Day for high school football recruits to commit to the college of their choice. Uh, I know you're down there in Alabama, and Alabama had, as always, a huge day. What was it like? I, I know it's like a national holiday in the South when for... Yeah, uh, John, people really get excited. They, they really get excited about uh, this, this day because it's proved to be in the past if you can win on this first Wednesday in February... And more than likely, uh, if you have the right coaching staff, you're going to be in the, the hunt for the national championship. And uh, ever since Nick Saban's been here, uh, he's had top top classes uh, at, after that first year when he just kind of came in in January. Ever since then, he's had spectacular uh, signing days. And uh, this is no different. You know, number one or two by most services across the country, one, two, or three, something like that. But... It was a well-rounded class. Had you know five offensive linemen, uh, five defensive linemen, three running backs, uh, three linebackers, a tight end. Had one quarterback from the state of California signed this year, John Blake Burnett, the top top uh, signal caller. And uh, you know they had some defensive backs and uh, a really good wide receiver from Florida. Wow. Yes, and I know you wrote an article about the California kid. Um, he, he's, he sounds special. Yeah, he, he's one of these guys that can be successful in the pocket, but he can, uh, maneuver out of the bad situation and escape the defense to make a play. Uh, I wouldn't categorize him as a, a spectacular runner, but he can move outside the pocket. And in this day and age, when you're having these fast defensive linemen, pressure of the quarterback and all these blitzes, you, you have to be able to at least uh, move around in the pocket. Absolutely. You know, I feel like with, you know, Brady and Manning, you know, we're seeing the last, what feels like maybe the last of the pocket passers, you know, and at least they can like slide, they can feel pressure and slide a little bit. But yeah, it's right. more and more becoming a mobile game. I mean, you know, just looping it back to the Super Bowl, which I think we're going to be doing for a while. I, Russell Wilson put on a show in that Super Bowl. Guys, nobody laid a hand on him, and he was, like, making people look silly, like Chandler Jones, who's as good an athlete as you'll find in the NFL agile for a defensive lineman at 6'5". 
he was making him look silly. Like he, he wasn't just missing the tackle. He was missing it by five and six yards. So I think I, I, that was a big take home. I mean, obviously there's so many take homes above that, but I was sitting there watching Russell Wilson going, I've never seen anything quite like this before. Yeah, yeah, that was strange, John. I mean, he had him, you know, right in his sights. And yes. Russell Wilson, he kind of, like, taunted him a little bit, but just staying still. And as soon as he charged, he just went to his left, and he was by him, and he looked like he was standing, you know, in head cement shoes. Correct. And, you know, let's just quickly go back to the, uh, you know, the, the extra point play against Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. That was another one of... Russell Wilson's, you know, uh, escapes. But, you know, the more I watch the guy, and I, and I thought I've never seen him like I did in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, the more I realize what a fabulous athlete he was. Because I've never seen a quarterback make people miss by so much when it looks like a tackle's about to be made. And then not only do they not lay a hand on him, they're not within three to five feet of him. I, I thought it was remarkable. They did it a lot on Sunday night. We all read the Chandler Jones play was like the poster child of example of that. But, uh, you know, all night long. I mean, the Patriots didn't lay a hand on him all night long. We, uh, that was obvious. No, and, and if you could, you know, have that type of mobility at that position, you really can step your, your offense. And uh, you can extend plays and, you know, gives you some flexibility as, a, as an offense coordinator as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was looking through some recruiting information on who landed who, you know, this morning, and, you know, I see certain schools sign certain guy, quarterbacks out of Florida and whatnot, or, and, you know, I instantly feel like I know the kind of, you know, we're talking a mobile quarterback coming out of Florida. They have a lot of them, um, and, you know, it's just so important. You, you just have to have a quarterback who can move nowadays. Uh, you know, cr- critically important to say the least. So, um, yeah, it's you know, it was a fabulous recruiting season. I mean, USC seems to be getting props as you know some have named them the number one recruiting school above Alabama, which has been a huge surprise given they're coming off you know postseason ban that type of thing. Right. I mean, USC, <clears throat> John, if you can't recruit at USC, you better hang it up because just with that 100-mile radius around Los Angeles, if you just stayed there and got the top players in that region, and uh, you, can, you can compete nationally. That's, that's how, uh, you know, there's such an influx of talent in that, that area. It's unbelievable. So, you know, UCLA, I never could figure out how come UCLA and USC could not be they both have top 10 programs. I can never figure that out. I agree. Sometimes I think Florida gets, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, publicity because, you know, compared with California, which, again, has such a built-in, um, you know, talent base just because it's a massive city. There's no other way to say it. I mean... By the way, speaking of which, I watched that show on Snoop, Snoop Dogg and his son. Now, his son, I think, was a lot of people thought he was going to go to USC, but he did not, it turns out. Yeah, I saw some of that myself, and uh, I know 
he wanted him to to uh, sign with USC, but you could sense in some some of his uh, comments that he wasn't so anxious to become a Trojan. Yeah, do you know where he ended up signing by any chance? Uh, UCLA. Oh, he, oh, wow. Okay, I, I wasn't sure exactly yeah. where he did sign. I just knew he didn't sign with USC, so, but uh, yeah. So I mean, that that's kind of a, uh, an interesting choice, John, because. He didn't attend, you know, he's not going to USC, it's his daddy's choice, but he's still staying local. Correct, going to their arch rival, obviously, the arch yeah. arch rivals. Uh, interesting. Um, yeah, so, you know, that will be, uh, so yeah, USC and Steve Sarkeesian, uh, you know, again, I, I think it's great. I really do. I mean, I, uh, you know, saw USC play in person. Uh, when they come up to BC and got upset here back uh, back this fall, and you know, just to watch them come out was just like awesome. You know, they're like the Yankees, or you know, I guess nowadays the Patriots, and uh, you, you know, where you get you get like chills up your spine, uh, to say the least. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, again, oh, I think. Oh yeah, and uh, I guess even though he's, you know. Uh, he played football in Las Vegas, and he, he he's not staying at you know in Nevada, but he's going to a school in Los Angeles, you know, and that, that's kind of an interesting thing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Again, you know, I grew up on USC and UCLA back in the day, and I'm sure you did too. So I love both of them being, you know, national powers. And uh, but you know, back to your area of expertise, you know, clearly the. SEC West did, uh, you know, had the best recruiting class of any conference. And, uh, you know, Auburn, I saw. That was a fascinating situation, by the way, uh, with the Auburn signing, what I guess was the number one player in the country, and then he didn't fax it in. Uh, we, th- that was pretty weird, I think, given it was the number one recruit in the country, apparently. Yeah, that was uh, kind of a, a, a moment of hesitation in yes. that process. I mean, it, it causes those coaches to, you know, a lot of tension. Uh, you're waiting for that that signature, and they come through the fax or the email, and you know, someone announces they're coming to your school, and the next thing you know, the paperwork's not in your office, and you're starting to think, well, something's going to go wrong. But it didn't turn out that way, and he didn't end up sending his paperwork. So, uh, so he got the number one defense event, yeah. Yeah, well, that would make me a little nervous <laughs> if I'm Auburn, <laughs> you know, yeah. as to what the future could hold. But by the way, you know, and I heard a national commentator say this, what is up with the facts thing? Why? <laughs> I thought it was so true, because I found myself thinking that on Wednesday morning was, why in 2015... Is this? Are, are they still doing faxes? I mean, really? Right. I mean, I, I've, <laughs> you can use the email uh, I've read. So, I, I mean, why are you using a fax? I mean, you have to actually. I, I don't. I don't even think people have faxes anymore, really. So, I mean, why even resort to that? That's ancient history now. Well, I do too. Uh, you know, frankly, I have to fax my tax bill twice a year 
to my mortgage company, and that's it. Other than that, I basically don't use the fax at all the rest of the year. So it's just, they've got to figure that out because that's... I think what, what I think what happened with that guy on Wednesday, the number one pick, and everybody's sitting around waiting all day for his facts. Apparently, I what better example as to time to you know it's time to end this facts thing. That's just archaic. <laughs> it's silly. Yeah, that's uh, that was strange. Yeah, and I know there's legal reasons here. Believe me, I, I totally get that, but. Uh, you know, anytime you do, I know fax is still in vogue uh, for the legal side of things, shall we say. But they got to get past that, AP. I thought it was just practically comical as the day wound along and everybody's I had this visual, you know, image of the Auburn coaching staff standing around looking at the fax machine. <laughs> Which, <laughs> it's like weird. It's just silly. But anyway, we are bumping up against our final break. So uh, we still have a lot more to cover. Uh, on this, but for now, let's take our break and we'll talk a little more recruiting on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we were talking a little recruiting before our break and uh, National Signing Day. And uh, 
I know you're all over this type of stuff uh, and covering it to boot. So, what were your final, you know, what were your final overall takeaways from? Signing? Well, John, if you're in the SEC and you're not in the top 25, I mean, it's hard to compete. Uh, our rankings on Scout.com had 10 teams from the SEC in the top 25. Five were in the top 10, and uh, I believe that every team in the SEC West was in the top 25. Yes, I think that's right. You know, Arkansas, I know, had a good year. It seemed to me LSU may have, you know, they always felt like they were number two or three, and it seems like I was reading a lot about them being six or seven. Um, but, yeah, yeah, the SEC West. I mean, you know, Mississippi, Mississippi State, Alabama, of course. Um, they, all, they all were just huge. And, you know, there's just so much talent down there for them to get. Uh, that's great. So our fans in Alabama, they must be excited, right? Oh, yeah, they follow it religiously, John. I mean, if you want to have anybody get excited about a story you write, you just, just send something about a recruit or uh, somebody thinking about going to Alabama and they read it, uh, you know, have a voracious appetite for the recruiting. And it's like a 365-day-a-year, uh, you know, celebration with them. They, they can't get enough of it. It's like Mardi Gras Extended. Mardi Gras extended. There you go. Um, yeah, and, you know, it was interesting. I was reading Urban Meyer's comments about, you know, the good class he had, no surprise, at Ohio State. And, you know, he just had some interesting comments. I mean, he's becoming, you know, uh, a, a more compelling figure as sort of a bit of a national spokesperson, if you will, for the coaching profession, I feel. Because um, he, he just talked openly about, you know, what it's like to land recruits when you just won the national championship and what, uh, you know, how the door is basically wide open for you to just walk in and, you know, show the hardware as it were. Yeah. He, he's no stranger to the recruiting process and he's been successful through the years, but now having this national championship at Ohio state, I'm, I'm sure he, he's seen a difference at that school with the most recent uh, victory uh, in January. Yeah, like I found it interesting. He landed two top quarterback recruits. Everybody knows he already has quite the quarterback situation on his hand with three potentially just high-level quarterbacks, obviously. It's, it, we don't have to go through that story again. But, you know, looping it ho the whole way back to Tom Brady, I've always, you know, it just reminded me of Brady this morning when I read that because, you know, Brady was – quarterback coming out of California and he went to Michigan where he was something like number seven or nine on the depth chart. So he, you know, he took on the challenge. Like he wanted to go to what would at the time was the best uh, place you could go to become a better quarterback. And, you know, he didn't care about where he was on the depth chart. And I couldn't help but wonder when I read about these two guys today and one of them was, you know, uh, the guy that's where the guy I mentioned earlier out of Florida, um, you know, that these guys, you know, might have that something special taking on a challenge like that. I mean, to go to Ohio State as a freshman quarterback, uh, you know, pretty interesting given their current status where they're talking about the preseason Heisman favorite and the potential 
one of the Heisman contenders this year, both, you know, even transferring, for gosh sakes. They have such a glutton of riches. Two quarterbacks that signed with uh, Ohio State, I mean, the one from Florida, he, he's ranked as the number one in the state at that position, uh, five nationally. And then the uh, quarterback from uh, the Midwest, he was he was ranked number one in the state of Ohio at that position and, and uh, 13th nationally. So, I mean, those guys are, you know, very good players. And, they you know, they're not, they don't, they're not shying with many competition. Exactly. Well, that says it all. Yeah, we're not talking... Uh... Second rate here. We're talking serious studs, you know, top quarterbacks in the country. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you, know, you know, again, it was fun. I, you know, I found Wednesday to be a stimulating day as, you know, all day long. They were just, uh, you know, showing these kids making their announcements. I, of course, am very familiar with it from uh, being at recent U.S. Army All-American Bowls where, Usually a half a dozen or so kids commit by putting on the hat right there in the Alamo Dome. So it, it's a fun process. And what's really fun is to just, you know, see the jubilation of the parents and of the kid knowing that, you know, the goal was, you know, halfway there and to really, you know, you're going to get an education, a free education. It's just that simple. It's a nice moment for the family and friends, John. If you keep it all in perspective, I was, at the signing of the number one player in the state of Alabama, uh, Deron Payne at uh, Shades Valley High School on Wednesday morning. And it, it's a, a nice moment for the young fellow and his family and friends. And it's, like I said, if you keep it in perspective and uh, you're just you know, wishing good things for him in college and you're not sure what's going to happen afterwards, but it's nice that he's able to go to college, get an education, and then play for a state university or whatever university chooses that's exactly right well said ap you know it's, it's a big deal these kids work all their life and you know no matter what else happens you know as of wednesday they get a free college education coming to them and you know it, it's special and i totally agree you, you know to be there to witness it firsthand is is special and you know we're down under two minutes uh i gotta get your thoughts on tiger woods i found you know with all his uh, woes of recent year, recent couple years, health woes. Yesterday really like felt like, oh my gosh! It's the first time I said like, is this really, really like the end? So I, you know, what, I'm dying to hear your thoughts. Yeah, Tiger Woods. I mean, he's such a strong person uh, physically and mentally, and to see him have to drop out, I think this is the third time in eight events. You're you're starting to wonder maybe this is. The final uh, time that you know it's, his body is physically breaking down, and, he, and he's just not ever going to be able to come back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly at the break. You, you know, his body's falling apart. It's he, that's just perfect. As I watch on ESPN, him hit his shot from a couple feet off the green to the far side of the hole, where it then went another twenty feet further from the hole. I mean, again, this is what I do when I'm on a golf course to see Tiger Woods do it is surreal <laughs> and sad, surreal and sad. Maybe those are two words to cap off the last week for Tiger, right? 
Yeah, that that'd be appropriate. I, I think that's that fits the bill right there. What you just said. Yeah. Well, sorry to have to say it, but AP, thank you as always for your great perspective, especially on signing day, but of course the Patriots' victory as well. And uh, we'll look forward to doing it all again next week, right? Yeah, thank you, John. Always my pleasure. All right, so as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to call it a show. We look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.